Hello, welcome to uh, my latest episode of Sporting Lines, where I'm delighted to welcome along uh, a man who's played in a World Cup final. He's been Man of Steel, Rugby League's ultimate individual honour in the British game. And of course, most recently, he's been um, a hero at Wembley in the Challenge Cup final. Luke Gale, welcome along to Sporting Lines. Thanks for joining me. No, excited to join you. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. And um, yeah, strange, strange circumstances. Uh, we are now on a Zoom call, which um, I'm sure uh, all, if it were, were in normal normal life, so to speak, would have been in uh, a little office and would have been face to face. But 2020 uh, has been a strange year. And I think this just sums it up perfectly. It's funny, actually, you should mention all that because not not funny in this respect, but um, it's around about a year to the day since I did recorded the first one of these, which was um, Francis Cummings. Um, yeah. And it was actually on the day when uh, it was announced um, that Rob Burrow had been diagnosed with his MND. And that's something we'll, we'll come back to, uh, I'm sure, um, during this episode. But... Um, Great to be talking rugby league on Sporting Lives again, and particularly with somebody who is playing now and is right at the top of his game. Um, it's been well, it's been a really interesting career, Luke, which is why I particularly wanted to talk to you because you know, going right back to those days when I used to see you on the pitch playing in the academy at Headingley prior to just about the sort of start of that golden generation of trophy wins and the way it's come full circle for you, uh, an object lesson in determination, uh, never say die and all the rest of it. And that's, I guess, why the trophies are now beginning to come. But going right back to those days, I mean, that must have been really tough for you. Great in the first place that, that your hometown club have got you involved. You, you've got your foot in the door, but then to be sort of shown the door, and I don't mean that in a harsh way, you know, that, that's got to be really hard to take. Yeah, um, first of all, I think I signed at Leeds from being 12 years old and I remember kind of the conversation with mum and dad like it was yesterday. Um, Bob Pickles back then was a scout and uh, I was playing uh, for Middleton Marauders, my amateur team, and uh, we'd played, I think we'd played a cast team and, and the Leeds scout, you'd see him there uh, when, you're, when you're a young lad and they'd be in the courts and I remember coming home and... Um, my dad saying, oh, Leeds wants to sign you on their scholarship. And I re honestly, I remember it, that conversation like it was yesterday. And um, I think there, were, there was a couple of other teams as well, but it were like, it were just, there were no, I just wanted to play for Leeds. And that's kind of how the journey started then. You'd go on a scholarship once or twice a week and you'd, you'd, you'd then go every year up until signing professional contracts at like 16, 17. So that was the initial journey um, and then kind of broke through uh, played under 18s we had a real successful team um, played in a final I think we got beat by Wigan then I played in another two finals under 21s uh, we won we beat Hull 1-0 which is um, not many 1-0 games I actually kicked the drop goal as well so what a surprise um, yeah yeah exactly yeah um, and I think we played in another final as well I think we got beat in that one so that was kind of the early stage at Leeds. And I did one pre-season. And as you mentioned, it was the start of the golden generation. And I had, uh, in my position, I had obviously Rob Burrow and Danny Maguire, who 
Um, I think my task will probably near on impossible to try and uh, to try and budge them, and um, and that was the start of their journey and the team's amazing journey. So the initial question for me was: I remember, look, I was gutted. I can remember uh, I went alone to Doncaster and loved my time there. Absolutely loved it. Um, and I think many people saw it as kind of a step backwards, but I never saw it as that. I, I saw it as a chance to go and learn the game and play against men. Um, so I went to Doncaster, loved it there. We had a successful season. Um, and then that's when kind of Harlequins on the Broncos come in and I signed down there. We'll come back to that in a moment. You just you touched on Middleton Marauders, your junior side. And I know, I think I'm right in saying they, they are now no more. And if you if you like many of us who've grown up and, and enjoyed our sport, and we've got some, you know, loads of people who play amateur sport have got great memories of, of how they came through and those coaches who were involved in the places they played at. I know it would really hurt me um, if you know somewhere where I'd played sport had gone. How do you feel about about your old club not being able to to play anymore? Yeah, it's massively disappointing, and I spend probably from. I think I played my first game for Middleton at six, seven years old. So probably a decade of my life, my childhood was spent. And at, at, at best, it was a porter cabin. Um, and it was, it was a quite uh, run-down porter cabin at that. But I spent, like I say, um, probably two or three nights a week there. So that was my childhood. And now I drive past. My dad actually lives, and all my family live not too far from it. And uh, massively disappointing. Um, obviously not many people that they will not have the, the, the opportunity that I had um, to go play rugby and kind of get on that and I think rugby is great for that um, it, it kind of it gives you a goal in life and um, it keeps you kind of off the streets and uh, out of up to no good and it kind of gives you a bit of direction and that's what I love personally for for, for my childhood and it's a shame that I think many clubs are shutting down and the amateur game um, is shutting down. I, I, I suppose that's why uh, I've got a role with the Rugby League World Cup uh, 2021 created by scheme. And, and that kind of gives back to this community. And that's that's why I, I love the role so much that I do there. And uh, we went to Siddle last week and give um, they've got a grant and got a new pitch and the facilities and I, I was speaking to the guy there, the, the chairman, and like, I wish that I had this um, when I was a, when I was a junior because the setup they've got now is absolutely amazing. And I wish that I had that back when I was playing. What was the big local derby when you were at Middleton? Hunslet Warriors, something like that. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, Unslit uh, Unslit Parkside. So yeah. Unslit Parkside, and then that was the young derby, and then. Uh, I don't know if you remember Queens, the, the team called Queens. So Queens took Stanley and Milford. Um, they had some good Michael McAloran, were Queens player, uh, Kyle Briggs. Um, who else was that? I think Ben Jones Bishop, Jody Broughton. So they, um, so it was they kind of drafted a, a dream team, so to speak, and uh, we only played them once. They. Um, they were in a different league to us and we could only play them in the cup anyway. We both got to the final, I think it was the Leeds Cup or the Yorkshire Cup. We played them once at Buzz Vale and uh, we got the bragging rights. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a tough game and I remember being played at Buzz Vale and uh, 
yeah, they um, they we always used to say they merged two teams and they still couldn't beat us. So um, no, it, I, I have real fond memories of my my amateur uh, rugby league, and it was brilliant. We always played with, uh, some whole whole teams, some pretty good whole teams. Tommy Lee used to play. He was my age. They had some some real good players over in Hull. Um, and Middleton marauded against Queens. I can't imagine too many prisoners being taken in that one. Um, it, it, it was. I reckon, it was. A, I think there were a fair few scraps. To be fair, I think. Uh, and that was just I the parents. Was, yeah, the parents <laughs> got heated on sideline as well. So. Um, it was. It, I, I would dare say it was a. It was a heated battle. Yeah. <laughs> so great junior days. We've, we touched on Doncaster Harlequins. You mentioned already. Uh, Two thousand and nine. I think you go down there for what turns out to be about about three seasons. Um, who were you working alongside then? Who was coach? Uh, maybe Brian. Brian. Ma- Brian yeah. Mack. Yeah. Brian Mack. Give me my debut. And uh, when I look back at my time at uh, at London, there were great memories. Uh, I went down there. I learned likes of uh, Danny Orr. He, he was the number seven when I went down. Luke Dawn, who then later on in my career I paired up with again. He was a massive uh, influence early on. Chad Randall, players like that. Um, and Brian Mack gave me my debut. Um, so, it, you know, they were real good memories. Um, and I suppose it's you kind of learn that you're playing in a team that I've probably got you know you're not going to be fighting for the for the top of the table and there's probably no pressure and you kind of you can go learn learn your trade and i think it's i think where i am now if i look back them them days massively helped towards where where i where i am now as a player and we know what you're like now as a player organizer dictator We've heard stuff about the sort of things you, you say to your teammates on the field, and maybe we'll come back to that as well. But what, what are you like? Take us back to 2009, 10, 11. What are you, what's Luke Gale like at that point? Are you confident enough to be like that on the field with players who are more senior in terms of experience and, and age? Did you grab it by the scruff of the neck? Are we a little bit more tentative? No, I would say I was probably the same cocky kid as I, as I am now. And um, look, you're nowhere near as, as the player you are. Uh, you're still learning your trade. I think for the halfback in particular, it's um, you always kind of face that battle of to grab the team and to take the ball by the horns. But I would have still been that, yeah, that that cocky, confident kid who um, thought he knew best. So um, it's kind of an ever-going, ever-growing. Um, you're always evolving as a halfback, and you're always learning, and that's why you see as, as you get older, the halfbacks get more mature and they start to play better for you. And what did you think? I mean, had that experience down there about rugby league in London because you know the game has been surviving there for a long time. There's been moments of uh, of thriving and prospering, and hints at bigger things to come during the Super League era and Challenge Cup finals. What's it? What is it actually like being in there as a player in that environment when things change quite often? I'm thinking in particular the, the most obvious thing is where you play at. You know that can change from one year to the next. Yeah, when when I were down there, we played at the Twickenham Stoop, which were fantastic, and the training facilities were were fantastic um, as well. And I think they're always moving or they're always trying to. Um, I think they kind of need to keep their identity. And I know it's easier said than done. And kind of stay at one hub, and uh, and that be the, the the home for for London or Harlequins. <laughs> they keep changing the name as well. But for me, 
there were so many good young players down there. And I know there still is now. Um, Danny Ward's uh, done a great job. And there is so many good young London-born players. And, and if we can get them coming through... Uh, look, I think that the thing they always struggle with is the fans. Um, and, and that was the same. It, it was crazy because you'd, you'd play Twickenham Stoop here, Twickenham there, there'd be 80,000 there and we struggled to get 1,000 there. Yeah. It, you couldn't really, you couldn't really fathom it, if I'm honest. But I, I know there's some great talent down there, and I, I think the game's better for a London team. The, the, the game is better. It's sad then that they've not made it back into Super League when there's been this recent opportunity. Yeah, look, it, it's a tough one, and uh, without getting into the ins and outs of of why they didn't or why they why Lee did, um, look, I think there were five or six people who applied and. And there's going to be a few that deem themselves unlucky, but um, I suppose I'll leave that for a, a different, a different, a different argument. Um, look, Lee, Lee have been, Lee have been here. They've done it, um, and I think probably on paper, them they probably have got the strongest team, um, if, if I'm honest. But yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a tough one, isn't it? And I, I'm not sure now all the, the ins and outs and, and what the procedures were to kind of get there. A few splinters there in that uh, backside at the moment, Luke. Yeah, yeah I'm going to say, yeah. I'll leave that for a, <laughs> for a, a, a different... Um, I'll leave that one to you, journalists. More to come from Luke in just a moment. A reminder, you're listening to Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge, episode nine here. There is still part two to come as well, so listen out or look out for that coming around about uh, New Year. Let the new year in with Luke Gale on Sporting Lives. Loads of other good content as well uh, up there on Podbean and iTunes and YouTube. If you prefer to watch the videos, uh, they're on Sporting Lives with Jonathan Doidge. You can follow me on at Sporting Lives 1. Uh, send us some suggestions as well on email for future guests, if you like, jonathandoidge at hotmail.com uh, and also a Facebook page on at Sporting Lives 1 or Sporting Lives Podcast with Jonathan Doidge. Um, plenty more rugby league content on there as well if that's your thing Francis Cummins uh, has been up there for quite some time now well worth a listen if you haven't done so already and also uh, former Challenge Cup and Grand Final referee Stuart Cummings so uh, loads to look forward to if you haven't already tuned in to those let's get back then to Luke Gale and um, we were talking about uh, the London Broncos last we heard from him Okay, well, let's talk Brian Mack then, because you know you experienced playing under Brian Mack at an, an earlier stage in, in both your careers. He's since gone on to have massive success uh, at the Rhinos before uh, he obviously got he moved on before you arrived at the club. And what was it like working with with Brian? Yeah, fantastic. He's look. He's he's a no nonsense character. He's he's tough, and I've had probably some of my toughest sessions. Um, under Brian Mack. Um, Can you give sure an example? It, yeah, yeah. We um, This is a good story. And I don't know if you'll remember, but um, I think we got beat by Hull KR and it was a Sunday afternoon. And uh, we put up a pretty a pretty poor performance, if I'm honest. And we got beat. And uh, anyway, we goes in the change room after and Brian says, look, um, gives us a bit of a spray and says, uh, looks at his watch and says, Say it's half four. We just finished three o'clock kickoff. Uh, 
I'll meet you down at training ground, boys, at, um, at six o'clock tonight. Uh, bring your gum shields, bring your training kit. So lads look at each other this to say. Anyway, we we trained. We had we trained on a massive a massive pitch. We used to get twelve big heavy tackle bags out, um, boxing gloves and everything. And every corner, we'd have to stop and we'd have to tackle. And anyway. We run around this pitch for two hours. Um, the, the pitch is like a bog. We're army crawling in mud. Um, and if you won your first one, you could then stop. Now, if you lost every one, you have done 30 army crawls, 25 metres. We're boxing with all mud on his, um, on his knuckles. So it's cutting your knuckles to smithereens. Um, anyway, we did two hours, absolutely exhausted. It's pitch black, probably eight o'clock at night. And he just got to the middle and says, I'll see you at same again, boys, six o'clock in the morning. Oh, so we absolutely gone. And this is after a game. He just played 80 minutes. Turns up at six o'clock. We does the exact same. I reckon we went even longer. And uh, he actually said we're going again tonight. But he stopped after that one. And I remember we played then the following week. And the, every single player in the team had uh, straps on the knuckles where they had no skin left. <laughs> and I can remember on Sky saying someone had actually found out that we'd, we'd been flogged for two days. Um, so that was just one example of, of a session that, that Brian uh, that Brian once made us do. But no, I think he, it was fantastic. And look, he, he went on to Leeds and be one of the most coveted uh, coaches in, in the Super League history. Um, and I just think his mindset, I think I loved his mindset and the toughness of him. Um, uh, yeah, you, you won't want to cross him. I'm going to say, I know what it's like from a journalist's point of view to sit in and do a one-to-one -one interview with Brian, but from a player's point of view, um, you know, what's that like? Did you, did you have to go into the office? Um, it, it, and how, how does he deal with you in those situations? In, in the office, he'll probably kill me for saying this, but in, in his <laughs> office, it's the best. He must have got this from Army. Now, you know how big of a bloke he is. He just takes his shoes and socks off. He's got size 16 feet, they're about that big. Puts his feet up and just plonks them on the end of the table while he's talking to you. It's the most intimidating thing you've ever seen, but he does it fantastic. Um, so that's how he addresses you and if, if, if you've been unfortunate enough to be called into office. So um, I don't know if it's a, an old army technique or whatever, or he's just being comfy, but yeah, you've got a size 16 foot on your face. So you say when if you're unfortunate enough to be called into the office, so you never yeah. get called in if you've had a good game to get a pat on the back. No, it, when, you, it, when you're in trouble, is it? Naughty it could have been from it could have been from anything really. But no, do you know what? I, I, I had a real good relationship with him. Uh, I, I liked his his, his 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 character, and he's quite he's quite a funny bloke. He's quite he's got good crack to be fair. Uh, I'm not sure if you'd you'd see that from a journalist point of view, but. Um, yeah, he's got. He's he's uh, he's quite funny, to be fair. Yeah, he, he did once take issue with a question I had in a press conference, just the ones. Um, actually, <laughs> it was the Harlequins game at Headingley when uh, I don't know if you played in it. You might have been just before you gone there. But did you play in the game where Leeds won forty-four points to two, and Harlequins got an early penalty to go in front? No. Not ringing a bell by the looks of it. No, do you know what? I, I'm terrible with um, what what year was it? I can't remember, but it had been around about that sort of time. 
Um, it might have been a year or two before you, you'd arrived. But yeah, anyway, I, remember that, just, I remember that specific, that was all. Uh, and and it gave you a bit of a spray, did it? Maybe I'll save that story for <laughs> um, Yeah, all those present uh, probably won't forget it. So, um, three really good years at Harlequins. How did the move to, to the Bulls come about? Um, I just remember ringing my rugby agent Craig Harrison showed me the money who, who I've been with since probably 18 when I was at Leeds and he's come on to be uh, probably the, one of the biggest influences of my career um, along with my parents he, he's right up there and he's become a best friend speak to him an hour every day religiously and we kind of, it got to a point where I felt like I'd learned enough or I wanted to move back up north. I, I enjoyed my time. Um, I, I learned everything I could and I think I thought it was the right time for me then to come back. And um, yeah, Bradford was a call. I think there was a couple of teams interested. Uh, I think maybe Hull. Um, and we decided Bradford, look, the sleeping giant of, of, of the, the Super League. And... On paper, it looked a good fit, uh, but it never materialised, and it was it was frustrating because we'd, we'd always recruit a good team, and then by probably by pre-season or Christmas time, we'd have money problems. The same issues kept arising, and then people would be going, there'd be people coming, we'd not be paid, and it kind of just. If I'm honest, it kind of stalled my career, if I'm honest. Um, as I say, we always kind of had a good team, but then there were certain things, um, issues outside of the uh, our bubble that we couldn't we couldn't kind of help. And I feel like it was it stalled my career massively. And and you were there for what three seasons and, and ended up three moving seasons. on. Yeah, when three they got seasons. relegated. But but talk about your actual time there in, on the field. I remember. I, just remember, happened to remember being sent to cover Bradford games quite a lot, also when you were playing, and that that was the first time that I really can remember thinking, you know, this guy, you've taken a step up in terms of how you were playing on the field. There was definitely that feeling of direction. Uh, kicking game was really to the fore. I mean, did you feel like on the field, what, whatever was going around you know, off it, that, that you were really kicking on? Yeah, I, I did. I did feel that. And, and you're, playing, you're playing around better players and uh, we had a, a real good pack. And look, we had some we had some great wins at Bradford. I was saying this, I was, we were reminiscing with Carl Price the other day. Um, and my good friend, Elliot Whitehead, who's, who's one of my best friends. We had a good team. John Bateman come through, Tom Burgess. The, the core of the team were good and we had some great wins. Um, and, and my game were getting better. It, it kind of, in with a couple of injuries, I remember I did my ankle one year and it kind of just held it back a bit. And there were good times and I, I felt like my game were getting better, but still the, the, the outside influences that kept arising were still the same. There were pay issues and you never knew if you were going to get paid from one month to the next. And then... It, it was just a shambles, if I'm honest. Um, we then we got deducted points. We had to try and stay up. It was just while it was just it was quite frustrating. And I think all the players there, we knew that we had a decent team. And if we ever got a good run at it, I reckon we'd have been a decent team. But 
you know what it's like when I think then teams started coming to try and pick different players. I remember um, people nabbing as players, and it, it was just it were a frustrating time. Who were you working with coaching wise? There was Franny Cummins around, and uh, Franny was the assistant. Mick Potter uh, come in. Uh, Franny then took over from Mick Potter, Franny and Lee St. Hilaire. And I, I really got on well with Franny. I thought Franny's a, a real smart bloke. And then Jimmy Lowe's coming at the end. But that's, I'd already, I'd already signed for Cass by then. I'd already, um, yeah, moved to Cass. And I can remember having a conversation with Jimmy and he said, look, I want you to all, to be honest, come in my office and tell me if, if you've sorted something for next year. Um, so I remember having that conversation with Jimmy. Um, quite early on. Okay, uh, and Franny, what's what was he like to to work with? Because he's not had, you know, wants to be a Super League coach. Um, yeah. Been involved in rugby union as well. Um, he's not really been been presented with a great opportunity yet because of the circumstances at the various clubs he's worked at when he's been a head coach. Yeah, definitely. And I think even that job, I know, I, I think it was a tough job because the Bradford one. I think even taking that, it's a tough one. Then I think he went to witness. Did he go witness? Same again. I think exactly. Look, I think they're the kind of tough jobs to take, aren't they? And, uh, but no, very smart, very smart coach. I got on well with him. And I think uh, he's, he's definitely got lots to offer uh, being a Super League coach, definitely. Um, does it sadden you then to see the state that, uh, well, the way that things have gone at Bradford? since those days that you were playing there? Yeah, it's kind of, even, it's kind of never, I do still feel like they're a sleeping giant. They've got, the fan base is incredible. Um, it's, it's just a shame that they've not got the right man for the job. I mean, we, we had a couple of people and to be honest, they were idiots, absolute idiots. Um, so, I'm not naming no names, but it's, they just need to get the, 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 the right man um, who's going to come in and, and take the club forward. Mm, um, that's one that's going to continue running, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. It's one of them. It's, it, it's, it's a tough one to, to, to call because I'm sure on paper, the people I've took over in the past looked great on paper. Well, that's it from Luke Gale for part one, but do stick around for part two. And if you hit subscribe or follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to get that as soon as it goes live. Um, he'll be talking all about his time at Castleford Tigers, Bradford Bulls, uh, the World Cup final of 2017, as well as um, being a hero in the Challenge Cup final at Wembley in this very strange year for the Leeds Rhino. So loads more from Luke Gale to come. If you haven't already caught up with Francis Cummins and Stuart Cummins, um, then you can do so as well by going back through the episodes on Podbean or iTunes or on YouTube. Loads of other different sports on there as well if you are a sporting all-rounder just like me. Thanks for tuning into this one. Please do hit subscribe to enable me to continue to provide you with this free content. In the meantime, compliments of the season and do join me again for part two of Luke Gale coming soon to Sporting Lives.